back on Fictional Frontiers. It's James Berardinelli time on Fictional Frontiers. James is the founder of RealViews.net. He's the best online film critic in America, and this is his Real Take segment with us. And James, another round of the Academy Awards is in the books. Not quite as long a show, thankfully, <laughs> but uh, controversy continues. I guess that's what they want, maybe. They want people to keep ta you know, talking about these films and... Um, what do they say? They say even bad press is good press. But well, I, I yeah, they the say here. that. I'm not sure I believe it. Um, yeah, Green Book will long be remembered as an Oscar winner, not for the right reasons, however. I mean, if you if you ask people to name past Oscar winners in any list, you're going to come up with uh, Shakespeare in Love and Crash. And uh, maybe even Moonlight. Hmm. Uh, the first two, because they are widely re re uh, seen as being the uh, among the most undeserving of Oscar winners. And Moonlight, I think people remember because of the just the debacle of uh, it, it not being announced properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, you know, La La Land initially got announced as the winner, <laughs> and then oops. Nope, nope, we're sorry, we've got to take that back. Uh, it was actually Moonlight. So people tend to remember things that are, uh, where there's something, some sort of controversy. And certainly in the case of Green Book, I do think the Green Book will go down uh, in the, the record books or the history books alongside the likes of Crash and Shakespeare in Love as, as undeserving winners. Now, I am not an anti-Green Book person. I, I gave it three stars. Now, I will admit, it was sort of on the lower end of the three-star scale. But nevertheless, it's three stars. It's thumbs up. I thought the movie was a nice... I liked, I've been using the word kumbaya, kumbaya a lot lately. So I think it was a nice you know, kumbaya kind of fantasy, almost, about race relations and uh, how you know white people and black people can, in fact, get along. You know, shock, horror, disbelief. And I think, you know, quite honestly, most of us in our real lives, our day-to-day -day lives, we have, you know, friends, acquaintances of other colors, other races, other ethnicities, and we, we don't think anything of it. It's only when you get within this, in this uh, kind of a high-pressure, pressure-cooker environment of uh, politics and, and Oscars and stuff like that that these things start becoming magnified. So the, the, the theme behind Green Book, and probably the reason that it won, is one of you know, racial harmony. The problem is not the theme. The problem is it's just a really mediocre movie. Right. It does not do anything that warrants... It doesn't stand out. And, you know, it's easily the... One of the worst—I won't say it is the worst choice—to to have won an Oscar. I think actually Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody would have been the worst choice, but <laughs> it's it's down there amongst the movies that you really, you know, if going into Sunday, if you were to list the movie that would be uh, listed come up with a list of movies that would be disappointing as Best Picture winners, well, that would be there. And indeed, it did win. And now it will go down in history as a, uh, a you know, a, a swing and a miss by the Academy. Um, 
you know, it's 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 not going to be remembered as a great movie. Uh, it's it's you know, I, what did I I wrote? It's a choice of for the moment, not for the ages. Mm, well said, well said. And uh, a lot of critics, a lot of film historians are comparing the film to or contrasting the film with Black Klansmen, not only because of the themes, but also because of this interesting dichotomy where Spike Lee decades ago lost uh, the Best Picture Oscar for Do the Right Thing to Driving Miss Daisy, and there's some you know, interesting parallels there. I myself thought Black Klansman was the best film of those nominated, and I've seen it twice, and it actually gets stronger the second time you've seen it, and it's interesting. You mentioned the fact that there are these uh, relationships that we have with people from other backgrounds, other ethnic groups, what have you, and you see that in Black Klansmen as well. It's actually at the heart of the story, but it's done with more subtlety, and it's also done in a way that I believe truly highlights the uh, ups and downs that people have to go through when they navigate collaborating on uh, particular projects or efforts uh, in a very diverse world. And I think that it's one of the stronger films from Spike Lee in recent times, and it was nice that he finally got an Oscar for uh, screenplay, uh, adapted screenplay, and his reaction was wonderful. He was very upset about it. What was your take on all of that, and what's your take on this contrast or comparison between the two films? Well, Black Clansman was a better movie. Yes. Uh, I do think that the Academy, um, especially of late, has tried to shy away from anything potentially controversial. Right, that's what I was thinking. And there are elements of Black Klansmen that are controversial. Um, and although Hollywood has a reputation of being very liberal, uh, that applies primarily to the, the acting body, it doesn't necessarily apply to everybody who's mm -hmm. got an Oscar. There are a lot of Very old white guys mm -hmm. in there. And those old white guys, uh, Green Book is much more appealing to them than Black Klansmen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's... Th or even Black that, Panther probably as well, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't think... You know, Black Panther is a superhero movie, right. so it was never, yeah, <laughs> never going to be yeah. really considered in the yeah. first place, so... What um, if, you, you talk about this uh, kind of skewing towards the safe and uh, this, you know, the projects that really allow them to kind of address social issues but not really delve into the realms of controversy or really get into the minutia of all of that. Uh, do you think that that's going to change? Because now there are efforts and steps to kind of allow... Uh, more representation in the voting body. And I do think that you did see that in some of the awards from that night. Do you think that's just going to happen over time and it's just a slow process and this is indicative of that? Uh, it's, it, that's possible. I mean, I, I'm inherently mistrustful of... Uh... <laughs> well, I think we're both part of, uh, you know, the Broadcast Film Critics Association. So we see what goes into the process of voting, and it's not an exact science, and there is a lot of politicking going on here, and that kind of uh, takes me back to Roma. And many, many uh, anonymous sources have come out saying that 
they did not want to vote for Roma for two reasons. One, um, they felt that they had to protect the film industry itself and that the streaming services represented by Netflix had this one, it would have been, you know, a move in that direction that it would have been another nail in the coffin as far as film is concerned. And then number two, they felt like there was too much of a campaigning effort to get people to vote for Roma. So had that not been the case, Roma might have won Best Picture. As a matter of fact, they felt that more people actually loved the film, but at the end of the day, they voted because they were trying to send a message. What do you think? Uh, well, I'm... Far be it for me to, to right. We don't know dismiss, who voted what, that kind of thing, but for what reason, um, I think th- th- certainly for some people that was probably the case. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, the reason Roma didn't win was just simply because there was a feeling that we've given it best picture, uh, foreign language film. Mm-hmm. We've given it best director. Let's let's give something else. Mm-hmm. You know, a shot. Let's mm-hmm. give some. Let's honor some uh, some other, you know, English language film. Mm-hmm. 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 And I tend to look at the glass half full because if I'm on the Netflix side of things, I say, you know what, we're actually making moves in that direction, no matter what. Just by what you said, I mean, they did win Best Director, they did win Best Cinematography, and they did win Best Foreign Film, and then they also won, I believe, for. Uh, short doc as well. So they made some pretty significant moves that I would hazard guess probably did send some shivers down the spines of people in the exhibition industry. Interesting to note, um, Steven Spielberg was thanked <laughs> uh, because he actually you know, alluded to the fact that he felt that film needed to be protected. And I thought it was very interesting that he was thanked that night uh, by... Uh, uh, but I believe the uh, the winners of Green Book for winning the picture, best picture, because uh, you know they felt that he was championing the cause for cinema. So maybe that did come into play somewhere in some way, form or fashion. I don't know why you would thank Steven Spielberg uh, at that moment. Interestingly enough, he made a couple comments uh, a short time before talking about film itself and how you know films were meant to be seen in the theater, and we have to preserve that. Any thoughts on that, or do you think that that's just uh, because you, you talked about the theater industry being uh, in a very dangerous position? You've talked about the fact that you believe in the next ten years we're going to see the number of theaters drop at least forty to fifty percent. So this is kind of in line with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I know Steven Spielberg. He's obviously older than I am. Not a lot older than I am. (laughs) We won't reveal (laughs) the the difference there, but he's a little older than I am. But he uh, he's stuck in a time warp. Hmm. And I also wonder when the last time is that he's actually gone out to a regular theater. Hmm. Not not any special theater, just just your regular old neighborhood multiplex. Mm -hmm. And sat down and watched a movie with the cell phones going off and the. all the, and all these these endless previews and commercials and before the movie starts and you know thankfully we don't seem to have the same kind of projection problems that we we had at one point right. digital has has solved most of them but the uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of reasons why 
uh, movie theaters are losing their allure. Mm. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of the films that you see don't have a lot, the experiential difference between watching them at home on a nice large TV with a good sound system at home and watching it in a movie theater is not that different. Now, yeah, there are movies like Alita or uh, Mortal Engines or even Roma that are greatly enhanced by seeing seeing it in a theater. But more and more films are being made by directors who are aware that that their bigger audience is going to be on home video than in theaters. (coughs) So they are developing the movies with that in mind. So it's sort of a romantic notion that movies uh, deserve to be seen in theaters, uh, but it's it's not necessarily a realistic uh, reaction to the cultural uh, shifts that are occurring now. And the thing that's disturbing, upsetting, frustrating to me is the lack of attention that seems to be uh, being paid to it by the exhibitors. Mm. Uh, They don't seem to be going out of their way to make uh, movie-going a much more customer-friendly experience. I mean, yeah, AMC with their their Stubbs A-list has at least addressed some of the, you know, they've addressed the pricing issue, certainly. It's now, you know, if you, as long as you don't see huge numbers of movies, you know, you can pay $20 a month and get uh, up to 12 movies for your $20, which is a really a good value if you, if you can find 12 movies to see. <laughs> um, but, and, and they also, they have a, a a deal where they will deliver your food to your seat, although there is a charge for that, by the way. I don't know if people are aware of that. That you know, you go into your you go into AMC, you order your food, and you wait for it, you pick it up, take it back to your seat. That's one way you can get your food. The other way is you can on your 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 app, you can pre order it, order it before you get there. Tell them exactly what time you want it to be delivered, and they will have somebody Walk it to your seat, and you'll they'll hand it to you. But <clears throat> there is <clears throat> a surcharge for that. Now I'm not clear whether it's one dollar or two dollars, but there is a surcharge for that. So you know, no, nothing is free anymore. Nothing is free. Uh, but anyway, my 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 favorite response to that is not to buy anything at all. So then you don't have to stand in line, and then you don't have to worry about paying an extra money to some guy to deliver it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the things that I would care about is they, they really need to hire more people. Yes. That's the problem with theaters is they're always understaffed. You should have people standing around not doing things. You should have that many people there. There should be people there who will you know, show you to your theater. If you have an issue, there's always somebody ready and able to, to address your issue. Um, concessions, you should not have to wait for concessions. Well, you wait in line. But once you get there, you give your order, there should be people behind the scenes who are putting that order together. So, you know, I, I went to a movie recently with my son, 
and I, unfortunately, when I go with my son, I'm then obligated to order concessions. Sadly, and uh, <laughs> what I what ended up happening is I ordered the concessions, and I, he was in the theater watching the previews while I was standing out there waiting for the food. It probably took about eight minutes for them to get me my curly fries. Mm. Now, why in the world would it take eight minutes? Well, because they didn't have enough people working the concession stands. Right, right. So they've got one guy at the cash register, and they've got one other person putting all the orders together and running into the theaters and delivering them. So, you know, what is it? Penny, penny wise and pound foolish. Yes. As the saying goes, they're they they're they're. They're not seeing that you need to do everything within your power. It, you know, the leather seats, the leather recliners, the good sound systems, these are only part of what makes a movie theater experience special. Now, granted, yes, it's a lot better to, uh, to sit down in a, in a theater that has those nice amenities than it is to sit in a sort of an old-style theater. But still, you're only getting partway there. I mean, for most movies, and I'll be honest as a film critic, given a choice between... Now, I'm, this is just an average movie. I'm not talking about uh, you know, a superhero blockbuster or something else. Mm-hmm. Just an average movie. Like, say, I saw Greta a few days ago. We'll pick, use Greta as an example. Okay. If I had a choice between getting a screener of Greta and watching it at home versus going out to a movie theater and seeing Greta in the theater, I would pick the screener. Hmm. And probably 90% of the movies that I see, I don't have that choice, honestly, for most of them, except at the end of the year. Now, is that even a DVD screener or a Blu-ray screener? It doesn't really matter Okay. Much. Um, I, you know, I don't notice a whole lot of difference between uh, when you're talking about screeners, the quality you get for Blu-ray versus DVD. Ninety percent of the movies that I see fall into that category. I would take the convenience of seeing it at home in a comfortable setting where I can pause it if the coffee uh, happens to have run through me too fast. Um, (laughs) rather than just walking out and missing two minutes of the movie, you know, being old with a prostate that doesn't necessarily work all the way. Sometimes bathroom trips don't aren't as quick as they used to be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you get these advantages of convenience. And how much do you lose in terms of, uh, you know, experientially? I don't think I lose a whole lot for many movies. Now, I would never argue that, uh, you know, Avengers Infinity War is the same experience when watched at home as in a movie theater. Mm. And I, I advance the same argument for Roma. Certain movies are absolutely meant to be seen in theaters and need to be seen in theaters. But that is no longer the majority of movies. Right. And the industry has to catch up to that concept. They have to embrace that concept. I mean, this is the, the, the early 1980s, late 70s, early 80s. 
all over again. When the, the movie industry was so resistant to home video, and they were, oh, we're going to be destroyed by home video. Well, what happened is eventually they embraced it and became part of the cycle as opposed to opposing it. And home video turned out to be a huge boon for the movie business in general. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, we're there again. And we're seeing the same reaction. Now, I, what, I, what I will say is that, you know, this is not, there's no way this could work out well for the exhibitionists, for mm-hmm. the exhibitions. I mean, movie theaters are going to change. Mm-hmm. They're going to go away. A lot of them are going to die. Those that survive are going to have to have to change their programming, what they offer. Uh, they're going to have to offer things other than just movies, you know, dinner and a movie kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are going to be changes, and there and there are going to be losers in this game. But Hollywood is not the uh, exhibitor. Uh, they're not the, the multiplexes. They are the ones who provide the content to the multiplexes. Mm-hmm. And there is no reason that the production of content needs to suffer as a result of what we're undergoing. The production of content just needs to realize that it doesn't always mean just playing in a movie theater. Now it may be you know, making it available for a streaming service, uh, and they have to take that into account when they're budgeting a film. You know, it's a different animal, so to speak, television versus film, but I'm seeing this in animation as well because what's happening, and you're seeing this in a lot of different... Uh, forms of media. People's attention spans are shortening and shortening and shortening. And so, for example, in children's animation, the standard used to be 22 minutes. Now, more and more uh, production houses are going to 11 minutes. So, I'm saying, okay, 11 minutes here, 11 minutes there, and you can combine the two if you want to have a an extended story. Um, you watch shows on Netflix. People binge watch. But they do have a break after about an hour. I mean, do you think that film studios might take that into consideration, or do you think that's just not going to happen? They may you know, say, look, we've got to do something to get people coming back, and maybe what we'll do is we'll have to go with an intermission, because you know, if you go out and you're, you're able to get something to eat and go to the restroom or what have you, it's going to be a much more pleasurable experience. I can't tell you how many times you know, I've had to sit through the last 30 minutes of a movie I've really enjoyed, and I've had to go to the restroom. I'm sure it's not uh, an isolated case here. I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would have enjoyed the experience a lot more, like you said, being able to hit the pause button. Well, now you have a chance to have a pause button, so to speak. I mean, do you think that they might take steps like that? In my opinion, they're going to have to because if they're going to continue having this as a form for releasing film and content, they're going to have to recognize that the audience's sensibilities are different now, regardless of the artist. I just don't see things moving back in the direction of okay. intermission. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I, I can see. Like, I agree with it. It's probably not going to happen. But to me, it's just uh, again going back to what you were saying about Steven Spielberg. It's not recognizing the changing tide, and we have to recognize that as artists, as critics, that sensibilities are changing, expectations are changing, content is changing, and the way people are enjoying content is changing. If you don't get with the times you're going to go the way of the dinosaur. It's as simple as that. 
And, uh, you know, then you have to deal with things like Rotten Tomatoes as well. And we're going to talk about this for a moment because something happened this week that was a long time coming, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion as well. And that's Rotten Tomatoes taking the step of not allowing people to vote on a film without it having been seen or actually being released. So if the movie's not out in the theaters yet, you can't vote on whether uh, you like the movie or didn't like the movie, you can't give it a rating at all. And I think that's a wonderful step because the negative impact and the politics at play here, it was just becoming a scrum that was not worth our time and also creating a very negative, toxic atmosphere. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I do not understand how it took this, I mean, Cap, Captain Marvel is the movie that, uh, you know, set this off, so to speak. This is the Red Dawn of Rotten Tomatoes, right? Remember, Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie, right, if I'm not mistaken? I think that was the film. Was it? Uh, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> so this is the Red Dawn of uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Now, the one thing I'm not clear about, maybe you can answer this question, is has Rotten Tomatoes uh, made this now policy for all movies? Or is this just a special... Uh, I would think they would have to do this for every film because then you're you're interjecting your own viewpoints, your own uh, opinions into something like this. What should be protected? What shouldn't be protected from, uh, from audience uh, opinions, expectations, trolling, however you want to put it? I mean, I think you have to protect every film. You'd think that, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> uh, putting aside that that degree of cynicism, um, <laughs> we know you're not cynical at all, right, James? <laughs> no, no, not me. But me, I'm the most optimistic person you'll find. Sunny, sun, sun all the time. You know, look, if it's if it's if it's raining, I just look at the weather forecast, and it's going to be sunny in another day. So I'm just happy about that. Or I go out and look for the rainbow. Uh, what your what you've run into here is a tacit acceptance of the reality of the situation. Captain Marvel is, is the first movie, and let's assume it's of all movies. And it has probably been seen by, I'm going to say, a thousand people worldwide have seen this movie so far. It's not been widely screened. To the best of my knowledge, there have not been mass fan screenings of this movie it's been shown to people who have a stake in it, and I believe there have been some trade screenings. Well, James, next week we're actually going to talk about Captain Marvel because we'll have seen it by then. We'll be more than one than that one thousand, I should say. We'll finally have had the chance to see the film, and we'll see whether or not it meets the standards set by Marvel. And believe me, there's a lot of uh, pressure heading into this film because yes, you have Avengers Endgame coming up, but this character is going to be playing a significant part in the next film. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they nailed the, I don't want to say landing, because the Endgame film is the landing, but let's make certain the landing gear are in their proper position as they head that way. So uh, we'll definitely talk about that next week. Again, James Burnell, the founder of Realviews.net. He's the best online film critic in America. That was the Oscars. There go the Oscars. And... Goodbye. On to, <laughs> on to the best of this year. <laughs> exactly. Goodbye.